Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. In the studio is our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham, and calling in from the road, Los Angeles, California, is our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. Max, we haven't done a podcast in quite some time. I feel like uh, the people are getting antsy. I know. I'm getting antsy. It feels like it's been forever, so I'm glad we're doing this. I'll be back next week, though, and we can have a proper hang, but I'm glad we're doing this in the meanwhile. Yeah, I feel like it's been like this confluence of events where it was like I was in Mexico on vacation, uh, which I I did the call-in for that one, Mm -hmm. and then I was back, and Winona was sick, so I was basically with her, but you were already gone, because you've been gone for a bit now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just like none of us have really been in the the same room. Intern Erica is, I think, out west or she was out west uh, amongst the mountains if you listen to the podcast you know that she finds that very refreshing and uh, <laughs> and, and life altering yeah. so hopefully she had a good time out there but she's not back yet with the pod but uh yeah we're back uh, i mean there's lots going on we'll talk about what you're doing in la uh we, we have shaney here um one thing i didn't actually talk about and i meant to talk about from the uh the, the, the trip where i wanted to share it when i got back is uh you know how um we were with three of our friends three other champagne boys uh, sean and jug and felix um, one of the things that happened, which was crazy, uh, was the we had this like night out with the guys where we all sort of brought the kids out and we let the, the ladies have like a, a big night out. And um, so we're sitting in this like uh, this, this Italian restaurant because these resorts always have like six different restaurants on the premises. Like, oh, there's a steakhouse. There's the Italian place. There's a Mexican place, whatever. Um, and Jug uh, gets up because they, they, we were in the um, the Mexican place and they were doing like sort of tortillas and stuff, but they had stuff for kids. But I guess he wanted to get some cucumbers from like the uh, the, the main buffet area, so it's like in a separate area. <laughs> cucumbers. So. so- Cucumbers for, for, for his son. Oh, okay. So we've all got, um, like, our kids. So, like, I'm looking after when Sean's looking after his kids, Felix's looking after his kids. Um, and Jug's like, I'm going to get some cucumbers. And we're, like, I'm not even really paying attention. And so he gets up and he goes to get the cucumbers. <laughs> and we all just keep doing our thing. Uh, he comes back maybe like 10 minutes later and he sits down and he says, Where's Alex? Like, his son. <laughs> uh, and we, like, we kind of look up. And like honestly, at first we kind of think he's he's joking. We're like, what, isn't he with you? And he's like, no. And we're like, oh my god! Like Sean and Sean's like, well, he he followed you out. Like when you went to get cucumbers, and so like we just assume that they went together to go get cucumbers for Alex. Or what, I guess right, you're just kind of doing your own thing. So Jug jumps up and he like, I mean, I'm like, you go back because he probably followed you to the to the buffet. Like maybe he followed you around, maybe still at the buffet. So he runs out. Um, I, I'm like, oh my God, this is like crazy. Sean gets up and starts walking around the, the restaurant. Um, we're like, well, hopefully he comes walking back in with Alex. He comes walking back in, you know, he's like, he's got a look on his face. Like he's, this is panic. Like, you know, this resort is huge. There's a ton of people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I at this point we're kind of like, oh shit, like this is crazy. <laughs> so I, I jump up and I go on like the patio thinking maybe we went on the patio. Sean's kind of walking around the restaurant. Uh, Jug is run back outside into like the, the main area where there's like, you know, a pool and all this stuff and Felix did he ever get the cucumbers or did he he came back with the cucumbers right, the okay, first time yeah, right, and then that's right. when he's like where's Alex yeah, like, gotcha. I got the cucumbers so Felix we're like Felix stay with the kids so now he's at the table with like <laughs> like five kids while me Sean and Jug are out we've spread out we're looking for Alex like I go to the buffet I cannot find him uh Jug comes like running back. He's like, no dice. I'm like, no dice. I can only like, I'm having like, I'm thinking this is crazy. And you know, you're, you're scanning the crowd. There's tons of people on this resort and you see little kids running around and you're like, is that him? It's like, not him. Right. And you keep looking like we're going on. Like it's, it's 
it's a bit now where like Alex is gone. It's like holy shit. Like, does Laura know his wife? No, we haven't contacted the ladies yet. And by the way, this is just such an example of like these idiots can't do one night with the kids <laughs> while the women go out and have like a fucking nice evening. So we're panicking, and I'm like, so I'm like, okay, if I'm if I'm a kid, you know, if I'm a little tiny kid, what, where am I going to be? And right before we broke off for dinner with the with the ladies, Alex did run back to like to where his mom was sitting. We were sitting like a, like at this bar area, and so I was like, I wonder if he would have went back to the last place where he saw his mom, right? Like, mm-hmm. Jugs run to the room. Sean is like checking all the other restaurants, and I go back over to like this sort of like little obscure area, and I'm just looking, and I walk down the steps, and like hiding behind like a sign. Like clearly scared It's nighttime. It's mm-hmm. pitch dark out um, Is Alex Like I'm like Because I see two kids Kind of like with their parents And then just like this kid Kind of like hiding behind a sign <laughs> okay. and, and I go I go Alex And he like turns around He looks at me Like the relief like in my chest Because like uh, The longer it yeah, goes Oh my god And there's pools everywhere There's the beach That's just like a little Two minute walk from the resort Like And, and this kid is like He's a very energetic Like you know, if you lose him for ten minutes, he might as well, he could have been you know a mile away. Mm-hmm. So I see him and I go, "Hey, hey, hey! I, 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 I'm your dad's friend, Mike." I didn't know what else to say, and and because he clearly looked like he was a little shook. He was probably standing hiding behind that sign for the last you know ten, fifteen minutes. And when you're a kid, that probably felt like an hour when you can't find your parents. Yeah. So he was kind of just like quiet and shook. And then I, I came over and I picked him up, and he was cool. He let me pick him up, and because I, I wanted to run back to Jug or whatever, and I was like. Uh, He's like, no, I want to walk. And I'm like, no, 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 let me just get ba- get you back to your dad. So I run. I see Sean, like, halfway, like, through the resort, like, whatever. I'm like, Doss, or whatever. He looks. I, like, point at Alex. He's like, have you told Jug? I'm like, no. I'm like, I- I'm carrying him. He's like, okay, I'll text him. And then Jug comes running from the other side of the resort. I'm like, there's your dad. And I, like, put him down. And they run and sort of, like, meet in the middle. And it was like, <laughs> but genuinely, genuinely, like, probably the scariest this is this was my kid but obviously like you know I, I love jug and 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 you just desperately want to find him because every thought all the worst goes through your mind i can't even imagine what it was like mm-hmm. for jug during oh that 10 15 minutes so it was 10 15 minutes long all, all together yeah the whole incident probably was okay. that that long but but felt much 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 longer and, and that's kind of my perception of it i don't know like again we were all kind of just in a panic trying to find uh find alex uh, his son and it was like one of those things too where we're like do we tell <laughs> like i'm like i'm like i'm like listen jug this is your you know if you're going to tell tell your wife or whatever like this is obviously a very traumatizing thing like and you could tell jug was shook and even once we went back to the mexican restaurant oh by the way there was like another couple with like a baby that clearly they were like a seat over they had watched this whole thing unfold <laughs> so they were just as invested in like the drama so when we came in with with the kid like I don't know. The mom kind of had a look like these guys are idiots, and the dad had a look like, "Whoa, you guys pulled that one out." You yeah. lucky. <laughs> uh, but it was crazy, man. But uh, Jug did obviously tell his wife because it's such a big deal. But we didn't say anything until, you know, I guess until his wife got back from having a nice night out, sort of deal. And I think, and, and honestly, I, I didn't know if I was going to tell the story because it, again, it's like. I said, you know, Jug was like, are you going to tell it on the pod? And I was like, ah, I don't know. It's your story. I don't. And he's like, you can tell it. You can tell it. <laughs> well, if it but. makes him feel any better, there's a whole, like every generation like has a story like in, in a family's lineage of losing the kid. Like that happens every single to every single parent. And like, or just like sort of like well-meaning but like absent-minded dads have like a long history. Like for instance, my dad was, was responsible for babysitting our neighbor uh, neighbor's kids, Alex and Eli, when they were like, I don't know, you know, four and six years old. They were like good friends of mine. And then their parents come home and Eli has 
Uh, my dad was not paying attention, and you, with a crayon, had a str- like a red line all over the walls from one end of the house <laughs> to the other, and like my dad had no clue it had happened. So it's just like I don't know. I feel like there's always examples of dads that are just dummies that that mean the best, but uh, just can't quite do the job that a mother could. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. And then we're like, was was it our fault? Did like did he ask us? But and you're you're looking at your own kid, and it's like Alex followed him out. So you, we thought that they went together to the buffet to get the cucumbers. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, when he just sat down, he goes, "Where's Alex?" And I just <laughs> looked over, and there's an empty seat, and his little like Spider Man hats like on the floor. Like it was like out of a movie, <laughs> yeah, man. And then you so have like scary. three panicked dads just like scouring the resort it was cr- and it's like there's music playing it's nighttime there's families laughing it's like you're at a carnival it's, it was right out of a movie oh I'll, and once we all got back to the seats too like felix was like uh he's like you guys really left me with the kids they were starting to panic i thought i was going to have to call jess I like, like he was acting like he had had the worst experience yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was nuts but all's well that 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 ends well and yeah man but uh that, yeah that, well I'm, I'm happy i'm happy you told the story i think i think we need to break the stigma of losing kids and I think it only happens when we start telling these stories to each other so good job Mike totally well I also wondered what do you guys think I mean like what's the resorts protocol like let's say we couldn't have located him and then we like you know in that that window of 10 to 15 minutes or whatever it was uh, and then we go to like the resort concierge like do, do they have floodlights they put on do they have like does staff mobilize like they must have a protocol it probably mm-hmm. happens at all inclusives all the time I would think right, but I was wondering yeah. I'm like what's the next step here if we can't find Alex we're gonna call the, the ladies like I just didn't know what protocol was. I'm sure some listener knows the deal. The deal, but yeah. Yeah, it probably it probably is right. They put the floodlights on. And they look. It's probably incredibly embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that next step would have been, but mm-hmm. we were getting very close to it. If I didn't find him behind behind that sign. But yeah, so that that, that wraps up the uh, the, uh, the my my vacation down south, which was uh, which was awesome. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> little admendium to the last episode from two full weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, I think we'll be potting more, right, Maxie, when you're back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get back in the swing of it. It'll be good. How's L.A. been? Give us give us some L.A. stuff before we get to topics. L.A.'s good. Um, we're staying in this uh, Airbnb. I'm down here with the band just doing this and that. And uh, we're all living together, which has been pretty fun. Uh, you know, when you go to the West Coast, like you're always on... Uh, like East Coast time still, so I still am waking up at like 6.30 every morning, which is very early for me, but I feel very productive. Uh, We did a fun thing though last night, we got invited to this production of Frankenstein uh, at this like fancy Beverly Hills theater, but it was a, you know, probably theater about the size of 100 people. and I didn't know anything about Frankenstein other than the sort of like the cartoon version of Frankenstein. So I thought I was like, "Are we going to like a comedy, uh, or like what? What are we getting?" And then they explained to me like, "Max, this is definitely not a comedy. Like Frankenstein is a drama about like the human experience and how we interact with technology, et cetera, et cetera." Uh, You're thinking of Young Frankenstein with Gene Wilder. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. And also, I think yeah, there's been like the cartoons and like st- like goofy versions of Frankenstein like in my mind. Um, and anyway, so the, the production starts off, and it's like it's, it's a modern interpretation of it, from what I understand. But there's this guy dressed up in like 19th century, like British sailor, like wardrobe, and he's singing this like sea shanty. 
and I'm thinking to myself like oh this is gonna be fucking terrible like I hate this song <laughs> this, it's it's like it's like nothing about this is impressive it's like it's it's the kind of music that I, you know you kind of want to blow your brains out to but um, pretty quickly it I like around. Max as a theater critic by the way this is, this is a nice turn for you well I, I was thinking I was like who likes this kind of music this is like I, I can't think of one demographic that likes this kind of music like but give then, give us an example like what like what like sea shanties like like what, what what's he saying it was it was sort of a cross between like a Celtic sea shanty, uh, but with very droney, atonal, minor key music. It's just like, uh, and with old timey language, and I can't understand old timey language at all. Like, if anybody does like Shakespeare or anything like that, or anything like prior to 1930, I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, my ears just don't <laughs> compute it. Um, but then, and um, but then it ended up being this incredible play. So, like, basically, after the opening thing, like the set changes. And all the musicians that were on the stage, like playing violins and like percussion instruments and guitar, they they come out and everyone's like kind of naked, but just with like belt straps around their private parts, and they're they're still playing instruments and then they're dancing around and then the, the lighting cues are hitting at the perfect time and there's all this like sound work, like sound effects that like, anyway, it was just like one visual sensation after the next. Uh, are you sure it, that you were at a play and not at a party at Donald? Sterling's house. <laughs> yeah, it, it was actually uh, it was a re- recreation of Eyes Wide Shut. Is <laughs> um, but then but then the the songs got better, and then you realize that like the cast, which is probably about twelve people, can like sing, dance, and play instruments. Um, and there's all these moving parts uh, that happen so seamlessly. And as a guy who performs for a living, I'm always blown away when you go see a production, usually outside of the world of like indie rock, when people are really uh, dialed in and there's like so much attention to detail. And it's a 70-minute play, um, and uh, each part of it was incredible, and I recommend it. It's playing for the next. If you're in LA and you're listening, it's playing at some theater in Beverly Hills. DM us. I'll send you the info. Uh, but it was it was great. But it was, it was the thing actually I enjoyed most about it is that it just started off so badly, or I just was thinking to myself, what am I getting myself into? Like, and I was just thinking about what the rest of the guys in the band were thinking. It's like, oh man, we spent 60 bucks a ticket each on this. Like, ugh, good lord. And then it ended up blowing all of our minds. So, kudos to that show. You fucking did it. Amazing. I heard you uh, I heard you hung out with my brother in LA. I did. We had a great night. We, um, oh yeah, we, we ended up uh, going, oh shit, shit, I'm getting, am I getting nights confused? What did I do with your brother? He came by this uh, the house, and then... Man, that story's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the no, pod everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> no, no, hold on. But there... Okay, I totally forget what I did with your brother, but it was great to see him. He seems like he's doing great. But we did have a night with Unzi, uh, where we met up at this sort of fancy bar in Silver Lake called Stella. And uh, Unzi was there with our friend Tim McAuliffe, former pod guest, and we got word that uh, Beck was also at this place, and he was there for dinner with the ladies from Heim. So we thought this was very exciting that we might be, might get a chance to see him. And then we also ended up hanging out with um, one of the actresses, and I forget her name, on Working Moms, 
who who came to our live show. She was there in the house when we did our Catherine Reitman interview uh, for the pod, and she was like, oh, how are the guys doing? She was asking about you. She still made reference to Shane asking about that Ivan Reitman money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ghostbuster and, and, money, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Ghostbuster money, and she really loved that, and uh, yeah, so, she, so it, was a, it was a good Canadian hang in L.A. with, uh, with, with lots of like very, very funny people. Uh, cool. Yeah, so but it's been good. It's uh, been sort of productive down here, but also like lots of fun hangs. I heard that Ash was saying that your Airbnb is like like the mansion from Clue. Like there's like weird trap doors and stuff. Yeah, it's um, there's like the, the the host of the Airbnb, the guy who owns the house. Uh, he like left this like kind of riddle scavenger hunt, and there's like all these like weird books and shelves and like little like. Uh, yeah, there's like there's a there's a pulley that connects to a gong, like an actual gong in the house. Um, right now, I'm actually recording in this like pool house area out in the garden. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a hell of a scene. I'll I'll, sh- I'll show you guys photos. But uh, yeah, it's 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 been good. We've been having a good time down here. Shane, what's uh, what's going on with you? It's hard. It's hard to remember all the stuff that's gone. It feels like it's been a year since we've recorded. Totally. I know probably every single person i know and people i don't know at all have messaged me about the enneagram test oh yeah that's that's a big deal like every single one of our friends have asked me what what number they are and then people i don't even know have been asking me to assess them and so that's been uh, interesting and i'm learning more about that and uh you know, like in-laws, I've been assessing them, and you <laughs> this know. is your new business. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I, and I, I don't know if I'm nailing it every time, but that's been kind of interesting to learn more about that. And you've been trying to set me up with a uh, no, saying shrink is negative, right? Like they don't they don't like to be called. What is it? She's a, a student. Not a, no, she's not she, a well, she's a PhD student. She's like going to be a psychologist, so she's been doing it for a number of years. Her friend Erica. Um, yeah, so I, I want her to assess you, but it was funny because when I talked to her on the phone. I was trying because you know we're just trying to create entertaining content. So I was like, yeah, you could, you know you could do like a, a real deal session and you could record it and then we could kind of come on the pod and just make fun of Shane and it'll be fucking hilarious. And then yeah. basically she was just like, this sort of goes against every one of my like codes and ethics as a professional psychologist. I can't, I literally can't do anything you suggested to me, Max. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, I was at a uh, sales rally party. And, you know, people were drinking, and there's a bunch of loud music, a live band, and she called me. So I answer okay. the phone, and it seems like I'm just at the wildest party ever, and she wants to talk about... Shane, come back to the pool. Yeah. Well, she wants to talk about when we can set up my assessment. So I'm like, hey, yeah, this isn't the best time, but let's talk about it. My phone's at 1%, by the way, so if it dies, I'm not being rude. Anyway, I get through the conversation. I tell her to call me tomorrow. And she she didn't call me on the Friday, so Ooh. I don't know if she thought that's not I going to help just, with your abandonment issues. I, it's not seriously, you kid, but I do have those. <laughs> and we, uh, I I don't know if it left off where she thinks I'm a sketchbag, but I definitely think she's a sketchbag for not calling me back. So tell her that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I, I will pass that along. That's good. But but we what therapist would do that? This relationship's already off to an adversarial start. It's gonna, it's gonna. Yeah, I just found it odd that someone would do that. You know, I was kind of trusting her to uh, <laughs> and analyze me. <laughs> well, well, we'll just have to do it under professional circumstances where we're not making a mockery of the profession. That that's basically what we have to do. But we we can have fun without making fun. You know what I mean? That's the sweet spot. I. Yeah. Uh, 
I still have never taken the Enneagram test. I just mm-hmm. I just took your assessment at face value, but I'll see like sometimes like people will say they've taken the test. Like it seems like everyone's taken the test. Well, it w- my assessment of you was actually based off of a pod listener's assessment. Right. And I always I, I never know whether to say pod listener or to actually name the person cuz yeah. I've named names before and people have told me don't do that. <laughs> so, I'll just say the pod listener. Uh, but she was saying a nine, but I've kind of maybe altered my assessment of of you. Dan yet, Hamilton gave me another one too. Uh, what did he say? Six. He said I was a nine with eight. Okay, because I, I would think a nine with six. Interesting. Again, I've never taken the test. I, I should take yeah. it, but uh, because the six one has like um, there's a slight element of like paranoia to it, <laughs> where a person's like a little they have a little bit of suspicion or paranoia hmm. or they're uh, like skeptical skeptical of, mm. of things and aware of possible negative outcomes right and i find that would be a, a main trait of yours in addition to being uh gregarious friendly and approachable sure sure yeah i try to be I, my big thing with any sort of undertaking is i become comfortable with the worst possible outcome meaning uh if, if this is the worst that can happen and i can live with that then i proceed Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, like, my brain is always assessing all outcomes. Like, well, this is the best possible outcome. We could be wildly successful. The worst possible outcome is, oh, it might be a little bit embarrassing to fail. Then it's worth it. If it's, like, the worst possible outcome is I could die, I won't do that thing. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So, I I definitely am always kind of assessing those things. I hope I don't lean too negative, though. But No, no. No, but everyone has their little hang-up. Oh, yeah. Things, you know? Like, there's no Enneagram type that is uh, immune from faults. Yeah. Yeah. Like seven seems great, but seven has a whole litany of problems associated with it. And that's people like Alex and my uh, father-in-law. Max, mm. did you take the test or did you just take Shane's assessment at its no, face value? No, I, I couldn't be bothered to take the test, but I like the assessment. The assessment kind of worked for me and I carried on. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. keeping nine. That was that was nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, hey, I just remembered what I did with your brother, Greg, by the way. Oh, um, I like it. Come, it's, it's like, uh, yeah. Hit us. Yes. So uh, we ended up going to this bowling alley. It's called the Highland Bowl, which has been around since like the 1920s. Uh, Everybody warned us that the bowling is actually incredibly expensive, but the venue itself looks amazing, which it does. It's like this, like this, it's uh, this high ceilings and like the bar. Everything just like looks original, like the booths and and they have like these two main bars in the bowling alley. It's like just think about if the ballroom was like the actually fucking hip as opposed to something that was like built ten years ago or whatever. No offense to the ballroom, um, <laughs> but this it's my uh, water hole, man. Yeah, yeah, it's one of your favorite spots. Um, but one of the things that happened, which was kind of interesting, it, like it was just like I think it was like a Friday night, so it was kind of like you know it was a happening night. There was a lot of people in the bar, and we we had a booth, and we were just you know having a beer and catching up or whatever. And then all of a sudden, the music got super fucking loud, and like "Foxy Lady" by Jimi Hendrix started to play. And then I turn around, and there's a spotlight, and there's a spotlight that, that's being operated by a guy who's operating spotlight on like the, the ground next to me. So it's not coming from above. It's coming from like 10 feet to my left. And then all of a sudden, this uh, burlesque dancer comes out and she starts dancing like a mad woman to fo- Foxy Lady. And then she starts taking off all of her clothes and she, she is revealing she has like tassels on her nipples. And then she does one song, and then she just leaves, and then everybody goes back to their conversation. But it was pretty amazing, and she ended up doing that again about forty-five minutes later. But I, but I just thought like it kind of gave the energy of the night a real like jolt, 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone's just sitting around having, like, catching up with friends, having a casual conversation. And then this sort of, like, this burst of sort of sex energy kind of comes in the room. Everybody <laughs> just sort of, like, perks up. And, like, it was, it was kind of crazy. It was, like, kind of doing, like, a shot or something like that. Where... Uh, and, and that everybody carried on, but I, anyway, I just think it was an interesting idea that I would be interested. I'd like to see maybe more, you know, local bars try that. Why not do it in the office? Yeah, do it in the office, and it, and it was it, like it was a it was a form of <laughs> dance that seemed kind of traditional and like there was like because LA has a big kind of burlesque culture here there's like a lot of bars that uh, I was talking to one of my friends down here he's like oh yeah this is kind of a thing in LA where like burlesque is like very much part of the culture um, and the dancing is very cool and it, it doesn't really feel objectifying it just feels like there's just like an a, like an energy to it that that is very sort of fun to be around and um, and then and then you know she comes back 45 minutes later so it's not like all about that but it's just like a part of the of that bar experience so i just thought the definition of burlesque is like classy stripping would you say that's it yeah but there's there's like a history to it yeah that that like when it comes to the dress and the kind of music uh and the type of dance that i think what's the goal of it i think the goal is just to give everybody a bit of a boost it's like have a shot without having to do a shot right okay but yeah, they're trying like to be ex- sexy, right? No, it's definitely a sexy thing, but I think it's just like, it's an exciting thing that's not like, you know, because I find like strip clubs are, are, the idea of strip clubs are like kind of depressing to me for many different reasons. Uh, but this does not have any of that uh, in it. So I don't know. I thought that was, was kind of cool. I feel like this pod is doing wonders for Los Angeles tourism. Like you've been describing this amazing uh, time you've had, the, the theater, the ball, the, the bowling alley with the burlesque. Yeah, there's a lot, and you know I gotta say um, the food down here is so good. We've been eating in this place called Home State. If you have a chance, there's two locations in LA, but like amazing like Tex-Mex food. Yeah, goddamn, yeah, it's been it's been, it's been fun, and the weather's been good. I, I, I yeah, I don't want to tell anybody back home that it's been beautiful and sunny, but it's been like perfectly 22 degrees every single day. Oh, also, I've been hooping every day. I don't know, you've probably seen this on our Instagram, but uh, there's a rec center around the corner from our place, Yosemite Rec Center, and I've been playing every single day, and I've been amazing, and people are like, this guy is fucking the best basketball player I've ever seen. And I wear my Toronto Raptors championship shirt, and I tell everybody like that I'm the champ, and it's been going great. <laughs> It's a very, like, what do you Mexican think the key is? Are the, is the level of talent just not great, or are you no, just playing a- way better? <laughs> No, no, I've just gotten a little better on this trip, uh, and I just, like, I went, I went, like, four for five from three last game. I was just, like, throwing up, like, Steph Curry threes, and everything was swishing. It was kind of crazy. I've, like, never felt better. About are, awesome. are any of the other guys in the band going and playing with you? Uh, no, nah, they're, not, they're not as interested in, in hoops. Hmm. Oh, hey, Mike, I wanted to um, just ask you about uh, your night last night with your brother, because it was the one-year anniversary of the passing of your, your dad, and I was thinking about you, too, and... And I was wondering if there's any Roy stories that you wanted to share, or just or how you were feeling. If you're if you're into talking about that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was nice. We so Danica and Winona and I went and met up with my brother and his uh, his girlfriend Laura, and we yeah we just had some dinner and sort of shared Roy stories. We had some uh, some some tall cans of Coors Light in my dad's honor, and uh, yeah, and then like Danica and, and left with the baby so she could go to bed, and then Greg and I stayed with Laura actually, and. Uh, 
Dan Hamilton ended up joining us, and because Dan was kind of like a third, you know, like a bunch of you, like Veerman brothers, like he, you know, my dad was at Dan's wedding and stayed mm-hmm. the night and all that. They, they they had a pretty good relationship. So, yeah, it was just really nice to sort of on the anniversary, and I, his birthday is actually on March second. My dad's, and we're gonna we're gonna go out with some family and, and do some stuff for that. But just kind of to to to, to sort of. You know, keep the stories alive. I mean, we tell lots of t- tell lots of Roy Boy stories anyway. But it was nice to sort of one. I can't believe a year has passed. It feels like it wasn't that long ago when the three of us mm-hmm. and my brother were doing a podcast remembering my dad. Um, and it, it, it kind of it's been in my mind. It, I wouldn't say it creeped up on me. And kind you know, it, it, it has been in my mind. And yeah, it feels weird, but life kind of continues on. And yeah, it's just nice to have a night like that where we, we got a little bit drunk on, on Coors Light and some Jaeger and some Jamesons. And then we just, yeah, shared, shared good stories. Yeah. It was, it was a good night though. I was thinking about uh, the dynamic of having Laura there. Cause Laura is Greg's new or girlfriend. And so, and she, I'm sure Greg's talked a lot about his dad to, to Laura, but, uh, to have, uh, you know, there's a new audience, uh, Mike. It, it must have been fun to tell Laura those stories because you're such an expert storyteller. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Laura loved it because Roy, Roy has so many good ones. Yeah, I was actually telling Shane this morning that it, it was it was cool having her there because me, Dan, and Greg know all the same stories, right? Like we've told mm-hmm. them a bunch, so it was actually like a new person to ask questions and sort of uh, tell the stories to. But uh, yeah, she she was great. It was it, you know, and it, it was also like you know, I've said this, I said the other pod, like we lost our mom quite a while ago as well, so we ended up talking quite a bit about our mom, you know, and because we were so much younger when our mom passed away, I don't think we sort of like. You know, our dad was just around much longer, so there's sort of like more stories, and it was it's more fresh. But in a mm. nice way, sort of getting together to remember my dad, because we don't really have one of those things for my mom, just because it was so long ago that we don't like get together on like a any sort of anniversary of anything. But we ended up just t- sort of talking about them both a lot last night, and just sort of our life, and you know how those things go. You're sitting in a pub, and the more you the more you drink, the sort of the more loose you get. You laugh a little harder. You you know the the sad stories or the sort of more poignant things hit a little little harder, and then. And you kind of just, uh, yeah, you, you kind of just, you're happy to be surrounded by people that you love, remembering somebody that you loved. So, yeah, it was yeah, nice. Well, by the way, we can cut any of this that you want to talk about. But I was, um, but I was kind of curious, like, what are the, like, obviously, grief comes in waves, and and there's no right or wrong way to deal with it. But what have been the moments in the last year? Would you say? like have made you feel the best and what have been maybe like some like the hardest moments when you're you know by yourself or is anything in particular you can like point to that like oh this felt good or as good as it could feel in in thinking about your dad and this is oh the or this wave hits me on certain days of the week or something is there yeah 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 you can yeah i I, I, I'd say it definitely whenever Winona kind of like hits a new milestone or does something mm. new I get it's always like a, it's like I'm I'm happy and then I, there's this little kind of like thing inside me that goes ah shit like my dad would have really liked mm-hmm. this you know like my dad would have you know now that she's getting f- funny and has a little personality I'm like I, I'm always happy because I'm like this is great but then there's always this little tiny percentage of sadness where I just go ah shit dad would have liked that so those mm-hmm. things happen I, I found that the Raptors championship and even when I think back on it uh, it has kind of like like a little bit of a bittersweet thing because my dad was such a big sports fan he knew how much I love the Raptors like it's just something that we could have like had I, I start I think like oh he definitely would have came to watch a, a couple finals games or came to Toronto like so when I think back on that happening 
I, it's always like um, I still can't believe it happened. One, mm-hmm. two, I'm like, man, that was crazy. And, and I think of all the good times we have going to the games, hanging with you guys. And then I always inevitably have that thought where I go, ah, shit, you know, like, man, he like I wish he had stuck or like he was able to stick around for that. Like I wish he got that that far because it was such an extraordinary thing. And it'd been so long mm-hmm. since sort of like a Toronto team has won anything. And, you know, I, I just it would have been something we could have like really done together that mm-hmm. absolutely would have been like organic and fun and uh, and joyful. So, yeah, I mean, those things kind of like any mile, milestone stuff or like stuff that I think, ah, damn it dad would have enjoyed that you just get those little things where it kind of like dulls the happiness just slightly just color if not dull it colors it a little bit more blue when really fun or nice things happen because you just go oh, i wish that person was around to see that i feel that way about our mom too like you know like she missed out on so much stuff because we were so young that like it's not as sort of like tangible whereas my dad got to meet our granddaughter or his granddaughter our daughter so it's like um yeah, I think that's that's the way it is for me. Like, I just like whenever something kind of good happens, you just go, ah, I wish that he got to sort of see that because he would have enjoyed it. So that that's the way that I sort of experience it. Um, yeah, and then leading up to it, I was like, I was thinking a lot about him just because this time of year, you know, actually, um, Danica, my wife, her mom passed away too, and I was saying how I'm actually I was surprised because I don't necessarily get like like emotional on like anniversaries or things like that. I don't really like celebrate milestones just naturally. But I found as we were getting closer and closer to this time when he passed away, I was getting kind of in a funk or I just, I felt that it, I felt the presence. It was kind of around mm-hmm. and I was telling her that and I, and she said, you know, it's, it actually is very weird. She's like, cause her mom passed away um, a few years ago in, in October. And she said that she gets a feeling like it's like, it's the weather, it's the atmosphere mm-hmm. that it reminds her of that time and you can't really shake it. And I was like, that's totally what it is. It's like, it's, it was almost like leaving, you know, the end of January going into February. It's like, I'm just remembering, oh my, this time last year, my dad was alive. We just were talking about this. My dad was, you know, we was making jokes about the Marcus Gasol trade at the trade deadline. You know, I'm just like, I'm like, oh, and then the trade deadline passes for the NBA and there's no messages going back and forth. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah, I, 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 I felt it coming. Um, and, and who knows what it will be like next year. Um, but, you know, it will pass. But I definitely, it brings you back to last year. For me, it did. And then it was interesting talking to her. And she was saying that she felt the same way or she feels the same way whenever sort of that time of year comes up for when her mom passed away. But, yeah. Yeah, the, um, that sensation is always really fascinating to me. About, like the, the seasonal thing that happens when something that you've been through that is like particularly traumatic you know, like it, it, it goes off again at, at that time of year. And, um, uh, you know, our drummer Tim lost his mother uh, when uh, he would have been 20 ish, I want to say. And, uh, and I know, and, he, and it was around, I think it was Remembrance Day, so it's like November 11th. And I know, I think that time of year is tough for him. And, and that, in, in our tune, Leather Jacket, that's like, I think uh, Danica is actually like, messaging me about that lyric like um, in September when it goes off like a goddamn alarm clock yeah it hits you like a third shot conversations you just stare off there's no longer a voice calling when you go out I'll be home waiting for you like that's just literally about somebody thinking about uh, uh, someone approaching that particular time of year in their life and uh, it being it just being shitty and hard so anyway love you buddy yeah man actually one thing I do want to mention my brother said because I Greg and I he was in LA doing stuff with the Toronto the Toronto Football Club and all that stuff and you know uh, but we were we did message and he was like hey man like you know we're coming up on the date how you feeling 
I'm like, oh, hey, you know, like, I'm good, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, how are you? And he was saying that him and his girlfriend, Laura, they, uh, my dad loved that movie, The Commitments. And I, I, now I don't know how many of our listeners know this movie, but it's like a movie about, I believe, an Irish, like, pop bar yeah. band. Do you know this movie, Max? Yeah, they're like a soul band, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you remember this movie, Shane? No. It's like, it was like, our dad loved this, and we watched it. Like, he always had, we had the Commitments soundtrack in our house. It's like, Mustang, Sally. You know, it's like, it's like, sort of like, like you said, soul rock band. They're they're Irish, I believe, and they kind of like become sort of popular, and it's like, they form this band, and people love, like, my dad loved this movie. So I guess him and Laura watched the Commitments uh, this weekend, and then... Mm. Drank some Jaeger and some uh, some Jamesons in my dad's honor, and I, I just I was like, that is something that my dad would have loved. The fact that you guys were watching this movie that we probably haven't watched in like twenty five years, and so Greg's like, yeah, he's like, I'll lend it to you. So I'm, I'm going to watch the commitments in honor in honor of Roy Boy, and I'll let you guys know if it's mm. good. My brother said it held up. My brother said it's still good. And then they went out and they're trying to find the the, the soundtrack on vinyl now. So we should do it on the pedestal. Oh shit, that's a great idea. Yeah, could be a good tribute, and also an amazing segue to say. Check out The Pedestal with Shane, myself, Jonathan Popolis. Uh, all sorts of episodes and lots coming up. But I would love to do it on The Pedestal. That's actually yeah. a great idea. I think we're going to have Jay on The Pedestal soon. That's right, Maxi, Former podcast Jay Onright is coming on The Pedestal uh, next week. Oh, really? That's amazing. Yeah, he chose... Uh, we're allowed to give away, right? He chose... I think so. He chose... Uh, I wanted to say Groundhog Day, but that's not right. He chose Caddyshack. Yeah. Both Bill Murray. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we're going to do Caddyshack <laughs> with Jay Onright on the pedestal. I love That's a great crossover. You should, maybe Tom Power would do one as well. Oh. To get these guys back because they're such good media, movie, pop culture people. So they'd have great opinions. Yeah. All right. Well, do you guys want to do some topics, some stuff let's, that's been happening in the news? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. Well, I know that we've been accused at times of maybe overly talking about the NBA because we all are big NBA fans. But I think this is actually a cool story. Uh just because of sort of what it represents but the nba uh had their all-star weekend this past uh weekend and the all-star game they changed the format on uh sunday night so in the past it was like the they would play the game four quarters just like any other nba game and it's always been very um low energy nobody's really trying in the game so it's been criticized by fans that are like ah eh, this game's sort of bullshit it's just a dunk contest like why would anybody care they've tried to incentivize it in the past um and so they changed it this year like pretty radically uh they decided to go to this thing called the uh the, the, the Elam ending, which is basically you play the first three quarters like a regular basketball game. It's like timed, like whatever, 12 minutes, and you do the score. Uh, and in this, this case, they were resetting the score every quarter, but you still kept a full tally so that when you got to the fourth quarter, you had the scores. Um, and at the end of every quarter, they had a charity uh, th- that would either get $100,000 or half that. I'm not quite sure how the splits worked. But it was like they had the kids in the arena like sort of cheering these guys on to try and win these quarters uh, so that their charity would get the money. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, this is the radical change, they got rid of the clock. So there's no timed thing. They took the, the scores and then they added 24 to the highest score in honor of Kobe Bryant because he wore number 24. And then the first team to hit the target score just wins the game. So when they announced mm-hmm. they were doing this, there was like a ton of jokes like, I don't get it. Don't make me do math. All this stuff. People thought it was more complicated than it was actually going to be. Um, but really, it's just kind of like pickup. Like when you play pickup, you don't you don't have a clock you just play to 11 or you play to 7 or whatever you're going to play to uh, so that's kind of what it is and so it kind of like harkens back to days on the playground it had this amazing effect where not only the, the charity uh, stuff for the each quarter kind of like awarding the money to charity because it seemed like guys played harder like the, the, the Giannis team in the first quarter was down by 12 and then Giannis came out in the second quarter and was kind of like fuck this and just was like let's play intensely like and 
the, 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 the sort of like the intensity of the game started picking up and picking up and picking up. By the time they get to the fourth quarter and they turn off the clock, like guys were going like as like it was a playoff game. Like I know both of you guys watched this game, but one of the reasons I like the story before we sort of I, I open it up is that like I love when an organization. Um, takes a chance by doing something that is sort of like ostensibly radical and everybody's like this is stupid blah 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 why would you change it and then it actually works and listen it could have failed it could have sucked but it's like the game kind of sucked anyway so it's like I love that the NBA is a sort of league that takes these sort of chances that they're innovative that they're like yeah let's experiment with this and then it ended up being I think more successful and more exciting for people watching and the players playing in the game than they could have ever uh, hoped for what did you guys think I'll go to Shane first I thought like um Sometimes I look up previous All-Star games, and I'm, I'm always searching, what was the best All-Star game ever? And in 2001, there was this amazing All-Star game that came down to the final moments. And it, uh, Vince Carter, and, uh, sorry, Vince Carter was in the game, but Allen Iverson and Kobe were kind of going at each other a little bit. It came down to the last shot, and Vince actually celebrated early because he thought his team had won. But Chris Webber actually got a rebound and, and did a bunny shot but the bunny shot just bounced out. So there's this awesome, like, don't celebrate too early moment where Vince is like, yeah, as Chris Webber is missing the bunny. <laughs> but had that bunny shot gone in, it would have been the best ending ever in All-Star Game history and this hilarious don't celebrate too early moment. <laughs> but anyway, that was 19 years ago. So this game really harkened back to that. And with the addition of the, I was messaging you as jokingly calling them orphans <laughs> in the crowd, like to have like disadvantaged people looking up and cheering for their team and knowing that $100,000 is on the line, that is immense real world pressure to put on these players. Yeah. Which, the, the tension and the energy is undeniable when something like that is going on. Like yeah, it was crazy. It was insane. And, and unintentionally comical to be cutting to a kid who represents a charity as a player is either hitting or missing a free throw. It was it, people that that element of it has been criticized, like it's a little dystopian or like Hunger Gamesy, where it's like you oh, know, I was laughing my ass <laughs> off. I couldn't help it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something about the joy that the kids get, and I think that both charities get like it's not like it's like one we get a hundred and then the other one we get like 50 or something like if if one sh if one side had led all three quarters i think the other charity would have been i, I think they but had still a even 50 grand might matter a lot to these kids totally agree totally agree totally agree I'm, i i agree that that element i think they will change next year because there was something a little bit like uh voyeuristic and kind of like it felt uncomfortable you know yeah. what i mean uh although but it made it way compelling more compelling tv it made it way more interesting <laughs> it felt like a movie from like the 80s where it, uh, you're playing like a gladiator game show yeah. except it's real and there's lava on the ground and you die if you lose or something totally maxi what'd you think of the game oh i loved it like yeah it was so much fun and i didn't honestly i didn't know i didn't understand i knew they made some rule changes but i didn't know exactly what they were i hadn't really been paying close attention um and i was hanging with mike and um i was like oh how much more time is there left in the game because mike was watching on his computer and he goes oh uh, there's 10 points left and I'm like, is Mike having a stroke right now? There's <laughs> there's ten points left to how much time? Like, does Mike know how basketball works? <laughs> uh, and then, and then when they explained to me what was going on, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing! Because the great thing about 
when you play up to like 11 or 21 or whatever is that you could be watching just random dudes at you know the YMCA or when we were playing a three on three tournament just like watching other games and if it's tight like even if the basketball is shit it's still fucking super exciting you know what I mean just like knowing that the, everyone's just going for that final po- point total so 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 awesome to see like the best players in the world basically participate in a YMCA style match which was so fucking wicked well the argument the big argument to implement this I mean they use it in the basketball tournament I wouldn't be surprised if they start using it in the G League in the next couple of years <laughs> people say that it's too radical for them to ever actually put it in the NBA but like I don't think it's crazy, man. Like, I've been thinking about it the last few days. And, like, I was listening to this guy, uh, Nick Elam, I think is his name. That's why they call it the Elam ending. He's, like, an MIT guy or, like, a, a Mensa guy that was obsessed with hoops and he played a little bit in high school. He came up with this ending. Um, and I think it is so good. And his argument is basically it's, like, the reason this is he, he came up with this is he was watching uh, basketball. He's watching a college game. And there was so much fouling down the stretch to try and, like, catch up. And it was stopping the game. And he's, like, this is so, like, boring. And it's taking so damn long. He's like, why is this? What's what's causing this problem? He's like, it's the clock. If you just turn the clock off, we wouldn't have this problem. So he comes up with this sort of way and this, the idea of the target score and all that stuff. But his big argument for why this is actually really good for like viewers, for the players, is every game would end basically on what feels like a buzzer beater. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like if you, when you have a, yeah. when you have a target score, he says he's seen this like in action. They've done like sample size and stuff for the basketball tournament. But like so, for instance, if you have a target score and then LeBron James has the ball in the last possession, like he he can he can jack it up and win it dead. It's over and it eliminates yeah. overtime. There's no more overtime in, in NBA games. Like it's just I I don't know, man. Like maybe I'm crazy and I'm just still like high off of how fun that game was. But I would not be against the NBA going to a target score in the fourth quarter. Do you like the disadvantaged yeah. children in the crowd? No, I mean the more <laughs> the, the, I watched it in a bar with Dan Hamilton, so it was like the commentate. Like I didn't hear any of the audio, so like I didn't. I wasn't even totally aware. Like I know they kept cutting to the kids, but when you're in a bar, all you see is kids cheering, and it feels good. You're like, oh, yeah. you're getting something. I didn't really sort of contextualize that element of it until sort of afterward. Do you know what I mean? Well, the one kid was waiting on a heart transplant. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Well, he shouldn't have been watching that intense game then. Oh, they're only 50 grand short, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big free throw for Anthony Davis. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, I I don't know. Would you be, Max, if they went to the Elam ending or target score in the fourth quarter in actual NBA games or playoffs, would you be against or or for that? Yeah, I'm sort of torn because on one hand, like, I hear a voice in my head going, it's like, well, that's going to like mess with like, I don't know, all the NBA traditions and like the point totals and the records and all that stuff. Like, so the conservative part of me goes, well, how is that going to mess with the way we conceive of NBA history? But then the more sort of like fun, liberated part of me goes, no, this is just fucking awesome. And I love And it was so, you're on something there, Mike. Um, just knowing that LeBron James could end it on a three was like when it came down to that final like two points or whatever yeah. it was amazing um, the one thing I will say though is that I listened to that interview on Zach Lowe's podcast with uh, was his name Nick Elam yeah 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 is that the guy's name yeah 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 I listened to that it was great by the way the fact that we have to call this fucking thing Elam's ending is insane to me it's not like he came up with a theory of physics or some shit it's just like he just came up with a hilarious basketball idea and everybody in the NBA is calling Elam's ending but Stop he it. came up that, with he came up with it. No, 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 no. He, he was a little too pleased with himself. Oh, my uh, he's goodness. He's got to be called something else. Lou Gehrig just got a disease, and they called it <laughs> after him. And he didn't do shit to get that disease. 
<laughs> like, like when you th- when you hear how much research Elam did and how like uh, like how comprehensive it is and how he had he had like three hundred three thousand game tapes that he watched to try to come to the perfect idea of a target score and all that. I, I think it should be called the Elam ending. And in I'm fact, the, you, the NBA hasn't been calling it that. If you've noticed in all their press releases, so guys like Zach Lowe mm. and the press are going out of their way to make sure that Elam is taken care of. But he was very <laughs> pleased with himself okay. in that interview. But I think just I think he was the right line of promoting his idea and really stoked that they actually used it. Okay, I might be able to be swayed, but just at first glance, I was like, "Give me a break, you nerd!" <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! It, it, it's, like, it's like it's like we're just like talking about like like literally an idea that I fucking do at the YMCA like every week, and now now everybody has to call it after this nerd from Boise State. Man, like, wow, you're a, man. I thought you'd be in the sunshine, feeling good, hanging out in the Clue House. <laughs> Instead, you're coming in hot. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I, I do. Uh, yeah, no, uh, it's fun to talk about. But yeah, it made me think, though, guys, um, uh, just off the top of your mind, is there, and I put this in the group, is there anything in, you know, pop culture, entertainment, sports, that you're like, they need to change this up and do it this way? Anything come to mind? Well, I think the Oscars could be re- totally rejigged, and I think they probably will because the ratings keep tanking so poorly. But That's they could they could make that more uh, entertaining or captivating or something on the line or... Yeah, I w- do you think you change like the voting process sort of deal, or do you think you just uh, like is it more? Yeah, it, it, it feels like it's in need of reform. The Oscars, just because again, I like we used to we were such an Oscars family. Like we would like my mom, we would get the ballot and TV guide, and we would literally fill it out and we would watch it on Sundays. My mom would have a little bit of champagne. My brother and I, like since we were little kids, we would watch the Oscars, and I've missed it two of the last three years. Um, like traveling or whatever, but I didn't even yeah. tape it. Like we used to do, uh, Shaney, yeah. We used to always get together and do the Oscars, of course. the uh, the 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 whatever you call them, ballots. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, and then we'd have we'd all throw in twenty bucks. Um, but yeah, I I have not really been that interested in it in the last couple of years, and so it feels like it's. I don't know if that's just because I'm growing out of it or if it if it is in need of reform. I think too having kids fucks it up a little bit because you can't exactly get out of the house and something as frivolous as like. A- Oscar party seems like not worth it to yes. get a babysitter. That's true. But I do think if maybe they got like some like a, a subsection of as Max would call them nerds, like film nerds and like all across the the country or something. Yeah. And they all voted. Hmm. Like and they represented like maybe there's one representation of each province or state. And then that happens instead of this weird committee. Of, of, like I think people, it's like it's anybody that's been nominated for an Oscar gets to be put in the academy, and then the and then their academy voting. They, I think it's like thirteen hundred people. I, I I was actually looking at a breakdown the other day, but it's it's something like thirteen hundred people are in the academy, or maybe it's three thousand people. It's not a crazy large number. But it's since mainly people involved who have won and been associated have been yes. white. It's just a big pool of white people. Yep, definitely. So maybe just to make it more diverse, they figure out some other way, and then or maybe the general public can vote. Nay. But then you know, really, the Avengers uh, would be winning everything. Exactly. But maybe the uh, the art films are chosen by them mm-hmm. and they're voted on by the the public maybe we'll consult elam see yeah. what he yeah. says <laughs> exactly. about it yeah i mean the, the the issue with the awards thing just quickly is that it's like it's hard to find that sweet spot because you want a show with a lot of eyeballs but you also want to make sure sh- and so that would mean like some like the bigger films might get nominated but you also want to show that critics will like it's it's like it's just hard to satisfy every type of audience in one show and you see this happen a lot with like in in the music world it's like people kind of roll their eyes at the grammys 
uh, because they, they go too wide and they go too old. But as soon as you get into anything that's like more like critics' pick, like if you look at like the Pitchfork top fifty albums of the year, you haven't heard of literally forty six of the artists. You know what yeah. I mean? And then so that sort of alienates to a wider audience. So it's like it is a very tough thing. It's like what is the most entertaining show, but that is also representative of the best shit. And what does even the best shit mean? Like, what is that? What is that term like? That's different to each person. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I have like a good solution. But I guess when it comes to the Oscars, like how you'd make it more entertaining in itself, that's a interesting question. I don't know. Did, did you guys like that they didn't really have a, a host this year? I, I still haven't seen the show. To Me be either. Yeah, I didn't watch it. <laughs> Maxie, what, what do you what do you think is in need of reform? Um, I'm just gonna steal this idea from Ryan Rosillo. Uh, and I just want to, for our pod listeners, Ryan Rosillo, one of my favorite sports dudes, was on Bill Simmons' show uh, last week. And they were talking about moving the start date of the NBA season uh, to basically November or December so the season went into January. Sorry, uh, July. I heard August, this, yeah. So like the final. And I was thinking, and I was like, we always get so fucking depressed in July and August when there's no sports on, aside for like the middle of the baseball season, which is kind of boring. And so I was like, I was thinking, it's like, oh, that would be a pretty cool idea, I think, uh, if they did that. And it feels kind of radical because we're so used to the basketball season starting, you know, at the beginning of November or late October. But I was like, why not? Like, what is keeping. Why are we Why are we so beholden to this calendar? So I thought that was kind of interesting. It, it'd be It'd make free agency better for Toronto. I'll tell you that much. If because the one thing that Jays guys always love is that they're here for the summer, right? And Toronto's beautiful in the summer. But if you're like a guy from Southern California, playing in Toronto in January, February, December is, is pretty tough. So if we shifted the season, I'm all for it as as a Ooh, Toronto fan. That's so smart. I didn't. Think yeah, that. that's so good. Um, but yeah, if, if you know, Rosillo was saying that they basically could own the summer because like. And there's nothing going on. August is dead, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, I, I, I'd be for it. I'd be all for it. And I was also mm-hmm. uh, reading a tweet or something, and it was saying that we should change the amount of days in a month to 28 and make every month have 28 days. Mm-hmm. And it would make a lot of things make a lot more sense because each week would be of like an actual seven day week yeah why are we using such a jagged calendar based on something from Ah. that's a good one we've talked about the four day work week right longer like work 10 hours a day for four days a week that would be so much better be amazing these are some good ones guys well maxi should we wrap it up or do you want to go into the dems no no more daylight savings time either (laughs) This is Shane yeah. Stump speech. Yeah. Speaking of polit- politics, <laughs> we're not doing a change surprise this week. Oh wait, we're, oh no surprise. I was just going to weigh myself real quick. I know uh, Mike doesn't want to probably, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that based on like you, it's not like you look bad. It's just you've alluded that you don't want to. Oh, unless I, you do want. I'll to. do. I'll do when we're all together. So you brought the scale today. I brought the scale because I just said on this day, if if the results are bad, Shane, weigh yourself. I'm kind of curious to know. I don't want to weigh myself. I've, I've been hating myself. So. Okay, we'll we can edit it out if it's not interesting. No, fuck it. Let's do this. This is this is truly Shane surprise what do you remember what you were last episode or the episode we weighed you last i was okay so right off the top i was 199 <laughs> and then i was 194 i think okay so yeah here we go very curious okay shane is pulling out the scale it is down shane is in a, he's wearing a belt a t-shirt and pants and socks so that will affect the weighing here we go Shane is at 191.8. What, what are your thoughts on that? That That's not great because I, I was on another scale in the gym and it, 
I guess I wasn't wearing a belt, and uh, I was wearing more like shorts, and it said I was 189. But whatever. Yeah. That's pretty good, though, Shane. I got to say, so you've already dropped, what, eight pounds? Yeah, it's not where I wanted, though. That's still pretty amazing. I guess when are we going to all weigh each other? Yeah, so for our listeners, what's the, uh, this is going to be the pod. They're going to get this pod this week, and then we we doing another one next week. Maxie, you're back, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll be back next week. <laughs> okay, so look forward to that, guys. <laughs> Instill too much confidence. No, I just, I just don't. I'm just thinking about my own weight and how much like uh, heavy food and Mexican food I've been eating down here, and I'm just really mad at myself right now. Oh man, you've been hooping every day. You're lighting it up down there. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. All right, well, can't wait to get you back, buddy. <laughs> All right, see, see you guys. Up.